Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for rescuing us just as Bart's saying. And I pray that you teach us today that there's much to do beyond the rescue, Lord. There are things that you want to change in our life. And I hope that you point those out to us this morning. And Father, that you cleanse us this morning. And Father, you give us wisdom and faith. And we pray this all in Jesus' beautiful name. Amen. Let's uh, turn in your Bibles to Colossians chapter 3. Thank you, whoever's doing that. (laughs) We need some light. Colossians chapter 3. I had difficulty trying to figure out what to call this. What I ended up calling it is not a very good title. Uh, Really, I want to talk to you about sanctification this morning. And uh, we'll get into that in just a minute. Uh, Being cleansed by the Lord. And there is a purpose, of course, in all of that. Colossians chapter 3. Paul writes to us about some doctrine which God gave Paul to give to you and I. And that's what we will read this morning. There are some things that we need to know that have taken place. And there are some things to know that we need to do. And there are some things that will happen in the future. And we're going to talk about each of those things this morning. When truth comes to life in a person who has been bought, by the blood of Christ. When truth comes to life in that person, it brings change. Uh, I, I know a lot of testimonies that I hear and people say, well, uh, I, I was saved when I was young and I really wasn't that bad of a person and, and you know my life really didn't change that much coming to Christ. Uh, I, I hear those testimonies, but I want you to understand something. You, as Bart just sang, were brought from death to life. There has to be change. You can't go about, even as a young person, your same life and same lifestyle and just think that Christ has been added to you. There is change that takes place. You become from a natural person to a spiritual person. Even at a young age, you are to be different. You are to be changed. There are things that take place in your life. It may take you longer if you were saved as a young person without doing bad, it may take you longer to receive that understanding and apply that to your life as it would someone who was saved later in life from a horrible existence to a new life in Christ. That change is instant. Amen. That change takes place quickly. But the change is there in both either way this change. Paul writes to us this doctrine, and when that person comes to understand the doctrine that Paul has given us here this morning, then that change becomes evident. And that change is proof that you have been bought and taught in Jesus Christ. All right? Let's stand together and read Colossians chapter 3. Of course, the first word in it is therefore. Therefore, since chapter 2. Therefore, since all the things that we learned in chapter 2 have taken place in chapter 1, because of that, therefore, let's read. Therefore, if you have been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. 
when Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. Let's pray. Father, bless your word today in our hearts, in our understanding, and give us your wisdom, Father, to apply it, what we learn. Lord, help us to be faithful. We need your assistance and help and your guidance. We pray that now in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. This change that I mentioned a moment ago, when truth comes to a life, it will produce change. The Bible calls that change sanctification. The Bible calls that change being sanctified. A lot of people are thinking that word is very mysterious. And you can look up sanctification on the internet and you can get all kinds of wild ideas about what sanctification means. Let me tell you what it means biblically. To grow in the knowledge and grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what being sanctified is. To be set apart, to be cleansed, to be made holy, to be made righteous, to be growing in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. That is what sanctification means. It means to be conformed to His image. It means to be made holy. You don't eradicate sin when you are being sanctified. We won't eradicate sin from our life. And we will not counter sin by this sanctification. What happens is sanctification means that my character is being changed. My thought process is being changed. My will is being changed. That's what sanctification is all about. Forming us into the image of Jesus Christ. That's what God wants to do. What motivates me to be sanctified? What motivates me in this change in my life? Verse 1. Look at it again. Therefore, if you have been raised with Christ. Christ doesn't do it by manipulating you. He doesn't do it by making a deal with you. He doesn't do it by greed. He doesn't do it by chance. He doesn't do it by guilt. He doesn't do it by manipulation or reward. The motivation is found in my relationship with Him. Okay? Therefore, if you have been raised in Christ. Okay? We have. We have this relationship with Christ. It's the foundation for sanctification. What He has done for me. What has He done for me? Number one, He's redeemed me. He's redeemed you if you're a believer. The redemption that we find in Jesus Christ is motivation enough to cause us to uh, want our character changed to be like Him. Right? That's the idea Paul is giving us. If you've been raised with Him, this has to result in two things happening first. You have to be dead. So you have to be dead to be raised. And you have to be with Him in order to go through that death. And you have to be with Him in order to be resurrected from that death. If you have been raised with Christ. That's what the verse says. Amen. So you have to die and then you have to be resurrected. Two things have to happen for you to be raised with Jesus Christ. You have been crucified according to the Bible. 
and you have been raised according to the Bible, you are now living a resurrected life. Jesus, in verse 1, is seated at the right hand of God. What does that indicate to me? That he is sitting in a place of authority. He is sitting in a place of honor. There is no other worthy of our affection other than Jesus Christ. There's no one worthy of our praise than Jesus Christ. There's nobody else that you should bend your knee to than the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? If you have been raised with Christ, if you have been raised from death, if you have been changed in your heart and your spirit and your life, then the Lord Jesus Christ is seated at the right hand of God in authority over you. This being raised with Him shows that we have a connection with Him. Shows that it is a continual connection. Since Jesus finished salvation for you and I, my motivation then is to press on, to keep going, to keep the faith, and to keep plugging away, looking forward and not backwards. I'm not working for my redemption. I am working from my redemption. You see that? We don't serve Him. We don't do for Him. We don't love Him for redemption. We serve Him from it. We are redeemed. We are His children. We are His kingdom people. Therefore, we serve Him because we are, not so that we can be. Right, church? Give me an amen, somebody. Come on. All right, here we go. We serve Him from our redemption. This union with Him is the foundation for our sanctification. We are redeemed and we are being fulfilled by that redemption. All right? Our redemption is being fulfilled. Look in verse 4. When Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with Him. The redemption is complete when that day comes. When Christ is revealed, and I'm revealed with Him, and you're revealed with Him, guess what? The world will know who Jesus is. Today they don't know. Today they don't see. Today they don't understand you. But on that day, they will know Him and they will know those who are with Him. Amen? When He's revealed, we will be revealed. Right? And the world will know Him, and the world will see Him as He is, and you and I will be with Him. That's what the world will know. On that great day, Christ will bring a screeching halt to all of this talk and religious activity about earning our way to heaven and being justified before God by man's idea. On that great day, that will come to an end. Amen. On that great day, there won't be multiple ways to heaven. It will be revealed there is one way to heaven, the Lord Jesus Christ. On that great day, it will happen that he will end all speculation of false religion. You think this and you think that and you go to that church and you go to this church God's going to pick out of all of that his church are you part of his church you can be a member here on our role and not be a part of his church 
I don't want that for you. I want you to be a part of his church whether you are on this role or not. Amen? That's what's at the heart of pastors and teachers and people who want to teach the word and love God so that you can love him as well and be loved by him. On that great day when our redemption is fulfilled, the multiple ways to God will be put aside. Whenever this happens, however this happens, to whomever it happens, it's going to happen. Amen? When he is revealed. He's my life. He's your life. When he's revealed, we will be revealed with him. Verse 4. This reality should motivate us as believers to press on in sanctification, being cleansed, being changed, being understood. We should not shrink back. We should not take a step back in our walk and in our life. We should be moving forward with this thought, this reality, this promise. We should not be ashamed. Hey, I, I'm, I, I look back in my life and there were times that I kept my mouth shut because I was ashamed. Not anymore. I'm not going to be ashamed of the Lord Jesus Christ and what he's done for me. He redeemed me. And I'm not going to be ashamed of that ever again. I am pressing on to fight sin's fight. Now let's look at this union with Christ that we have in being raised with him. Past, present, and future. All right? Let's look at the past. He says, therefore, if you have been raised, your Bible might say since you have been raised. That's really a better translation. Paul is not writing here to cause doubt. He's not saying you need to figure out if you've been raised or not with Christ. He's saying, in reality, since you have been raised, this is what you should be doing. Since you have been raised with Christ, this is how you should look. This is how you should talk. This is how you should walk. This is how you should live. That's what he's saying in that verse. Since you have been raised, then keep looking above. Keep seeking the things above. Keep your mind on the things above. He's not causing doubt. He's talking about reality. As Christ was crucified and we with him, so Christ is raised and we with him. Amen? That's what's going to happen. The cross was applied to our problem. The resurrection has been applied to our nature. The cross fixed my sin problem, his death. His resurrection fixed my life problem. Amen? His resurrection gave me a resurrected life. Power we never possessed before Christ to live faithfully. To stop sin. To fight sin. To battle sin. To allow God to cleanse us. To change us. To change our character. To change the way we think, operate, and move. The resurrection has been applied to our life. The believer now has new life. We are not the same as we used to be. Verse 3, for you have died. When you became a Christian, you died to you. Now, we, we don't, we say, well, how, how did that happen? I'm still alive. You died in your physical, not your, your, uh, your earthly nature. You were to die to that. Paul explains it better than I can, all right? 
Look on the screen. Romans 6. For he who has died is freed from sin. Has anybody ever seen uh, a cemetery uh, or a funeral service in a viewing and we go by and that person is sinning? <laughs> They're not doing anything, are they? In fact, that's not even them. That's their body. A dead man cannot sin. A dead man cannot sin. A dead woman cannot sin. Paul says, he who has died is free from sin. Now look what else he says in that same chapter. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin so that grace may increase? May it never be. How shall we who died to sin still live in it? Amen? When we became Christians, we died to our old life. But you say, Brother Clay, I'm still struggling with my old life. Now listen, that's the sin nature. And you've got to start letting the spirit nature win. You've got to let, start letting the spirit nature, the resurrected power of Christ, start winning in your life. Start cleansing you from that sin. That's one option or this option. You never have been saved. You went through an experience of being saved, but you never really were saved because you never opened your heart to the Lord Jesus Christ for him to come in and take over. And so you are battling the sin nature because that's all you have. You know you shouldn't, but that's all that you have. Our past says this, we died to that sin nature. And we have been raised to walk in a new life. That's our past. In order for us to uh, live holy for Christ. Now, why did Christ do that for us? He liberated us from death. And he gave us a new resurrected life. So that we would be victorious over sin. Not consumed by it. Victorious over it. Now, whether I die or whether I live... It's all now for him. Again, Paul's writings, chapter 14, Romans. For not one of us lives for himself, and not one dies for himself. For if we live, we live for the Lord. And if we die, we die for the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. You see that? He bought you. You are his possession. He's given you victory over sin. Whether you live or you die, you are his. And that's what he wants us to see this morning. If you have been raised with Christ, his death and resurrection is not uh, hope that I'll be changed. His death and resurrection are provided for us to change us. Not to hope that we change, to change us if you have been raised with him. Press on, brother, to sanctification. Our past, our present. Let's look at our present for a minute. The death and resurrection are past actions, but they have present results. Okay? We are hidden with Christ. Look in verse 3. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. What does that mean? 
to be hidden with Christ in God. It's a continuing union with Jesus Christ wherever he is. And he is in God. So, what does that mean for me? If my life is with Christ and he's in God, then my life is in God too. And that means that I am protected. And that means that I am secure. I am in God, hidden with Christ. Do you see that? It's a beautiful picture. What am I doing while I'm with Christ in God? I'm resting. I'm resting on His work. I'm resting on what He accomplished on the cross for us. That's what it means to be hidden with Him in God. We rest upon His work. It's really a double safety. Think of it like this. I am with Christ. I am safe in what He has done. I believed that. I accepted that. Now I am safe. And also, I am secure in God. Nobody can change God. Nobody can attack God. Nobody can invade God. Nobody can threaten God. So if I am in God, with Christ, I'm resting on His work, and I am secure in that, and I am double secure in God. What a beautiful place to be, amen, that you and I could have that kind of security and hope in our life. Also in Christ, we are a mystery to the world. All right? I told you before, it's a mystery to the world. They don't understand why, Corinthians tells us, they're not able to understand spiritual things. You and I were not able to understand spiritual things until we were saved, until the Holy Spirit came into our life and moved in and took residence, and then He opened up our understanding to those things that are spiritual. The hidden life in Christ actually contradicts the world's life, and they do not understand it. Even under persecution, the believer continues in faithfulness. How many stories have you read about the martyrs of the faith? Bringing them up to the point of death and not denouncing Jesus Christ. Even under that persecution, they're able to walk in faithfulness because they are hidden with Christ in God. And that person understands that. What can man do to me? Send me home early. That's about the worst they could do. Amen? You see that? What a great story and doctrine that Paul is teaching us today. While the world wonders why, you and I know why. Because we are with Christ in God. Verse 4 says, Christ who is our life. What does he mean by that? Without Christ, we would not exist. Christ is my existence. Without Christ, I would have no purpose. Christ is my purpose. Without Christ, I would not have passion or compassion. Christ is my passion and my compassion. Without Christ, I would have no truth. The Bible says, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Without Him, without Jesus, we have no truth. What is Jesus' life 
that I'm in, it's truth, man. What motivates me to stand firm? Jesus motivates me. What keeps me faithful? Jesus keeps me faithful. What changes my life? Jesus changes my life. What gives me victory over sin and death? Jesus gives me victory. What stands with me today in the fight against sin? Jesus stands with me. He is my life. We looked at past, present, let's look at future now in this text, all right? Whoop, I missed a verse there. Here we go. The future. It's very similar, verse 4, let's read it. When Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. Very similar statement to what the Apostle John wrote in his letter. Maybe I went too far. I did. That should be John, 1 John 3 at the bottom. But the text is correct. Let's read it. Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not appeared as yet what we will be. We know that when he appears, we will be like him because we will see him just as he is. And everyone who has this hope fixed on him purifies himself just as he is pure. If you have this hope of seeing Jesus in the future as he is, then you will purify yourself because he is pure. You will allow him to sanctify you. You will allow him to change you. You will allow him to work in your life. This promise, fulfillment, is motivation for us who are the redeemed, those who have changed lives, those who are reconciled to God, reconciled and brought into his presence, motivation for growing in the grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's all I need is to know that one day I'll see him and one day I will be like him. Amen. I'm going to be a God. Don't go out of here saying, Brother Clay said, you're going to be like Jesus, being a God. No. You're going to be spiritual. Fully spiritual. You're going to see him as he is. You will be like him in that respect. So we have a motivation about this being sanctified. The foundation is the relationship with Jesus. Right? The motivation is all that he's done for us. Past, present, future. Now let's look at the focus of being motivated or the focus of the sanctification. Look with me in verse 1 again. Therefore, if you have been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Keep seeking. It's a continual action. Keep seeking. Keep looking. Keep going. Keep observing. Not on Sunday alone. Not on Sunday morning at 1045 to 12 do we keep seeking the things that are above. We keep seeking this day in and day out. I need to have a target to aim at. The things above. Any of you play darts or basketball? You take your eyes off of the goal, the target, the bullseye, you're not going to hit it. So you keep seeking it and you keep looking at it so that you can hit it. We're not aimlessly wandering around in this world. We have a definite pursuit that God wants us to continue on. It's not a thing that I keep my mind on all day long, the things above. You know why? Because I have work to do and I have a family to take care of and I have a wife 
and I have chores, and I have finances, and I have all these things. So Paul's not saying, keep your mind only on the things above. Here's what he's saying. While you're thinking about your wife and your chores and your job and your finances and your home, bring Christ with you. Put him in the things that you're thinking about. Keep seeking him above, the things above, as you operate in this world. Apply those principles to these principles. That's what he's selling us to do. Keep seeking the future goal and head towards it. But while you're living in this world, moving that way, apply what he says to what you're doing. That's what he means by keeping, keep seeking the things that are above. A life shaped by Christ. Amen. A tongue shaped and reflecting Jesus Christ. Service just like the selfless, selfless Christ. Serve him in that way. Focus on being sanctified, to be Christ-like in every way. You say, but Brother Clay, I'm far from it. That means I have an excuse to do nothing. No, that means that you keep plugging along and you keep seeking Jesus in all the things of this world. You see that mountain back there on the screen? And you're going to climb to the top of that mountain. Jesus Christ and being sanctified is the top of that mountain. Now, if you were in reality and you were looking across there to climb to that mountain, you would know that it's not a smooth, gradual, upward climb to the top of that peak. Sometimes you got to go down. Sometimes you get level. Sometimes you go up. Sometimes it's a smooth open path. Sometimes it's difficult through briars and weeds and scrub brush. But you're always going towards that goal. Amen? Sanctification. Sometimes you go down. Sometimes it's smooth. Sometimes it's up. Jesus Christ is the grandest of mountains. There's much rough terrain in that path to being clean. But God says it's worth it. He tells us how to do it in verse 2. Let's look at that. Have a distinct mind. Set your mind on the things above, not on the things that are on earth. I keep seeking the things above, now I've got to set my mind on the things above. What is he saying there? To have a change of thought, a change of attitude. Become what Christ died to make you. That's the goal of God. Christ died to pay for your sin, raised to give you a new life. Now God wants you to become that. He wants you to be that new life. He wants you to die to that old sin. Do not think that, uh, well, thinking can be shaped and sharpened by the word of God. Our mind is always working, thinking, always soaking things up. We use this reference to little kids. They're like a sponge, right? Well, when you become a Christian, you are a little kid with a sponge in your head, and you're soaking whatever is around you right in, right? Remember the old computer saying, trash in, trash out. Same works for our mind. If I'm putting trash around me, my mind's going to soak up trash. My mind's going to soak up sin. My mind's going to soak up wickedness. My mind's going to soak up pornography. 
My mind's going to soak up gambling. My mind's going to soak up drinking and drugging and cheating and stealing. But if I put God's word in front of me, now my mind's going to start soaking up truth. Right? Now my mind's going to start soaking up reality and redemption and salvation and grace and forgiveness and mercy and righteousness and service. You've got to be in this, my friends, to soak it up. It doesn't happen naturally. It doesn't happen one hour on Sunday morning sitting in a church pew. It happens when we make an effort and an obligation and a priority to allow our minds to soak up the good of God's Word. Discipline your mind, right, to pursue spiritual things rather than worldly things. This involves a process. I have to understand Christ and His work and what He's accomplished. I have to understand God's promises that are found in the Scripture. I've got to understand the revelation of Jesus Christ found in the Scripture. I've got to understand God's Word found in the Scripture. His commandments. Don't let a church somewhere teach you that you don't have to follow the commandments anymore because they were part of the law. Jesus Himself said this, I did not come to abolish the commandments. I came to fulfill them. Right? We still follow the Ten Commandments, don't we? They're not abolished. They're not out. They're not in the wilderness for Moses. They're before us today. They're before Christ. They're before us. Look what God said about the Word and what He says to Joshua when He took the people into the Promised Land. This, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. He told Joshua, you be in your Bible day and night, son, so that you will know what I want you to do. So that you will know the way that God wants, you, wants to lead you. You need to be preoccupied with the truth of God. Have a distinct mind. Set your mind on the things above not on the things that are on the earth. Listen, we live in a world of distractions. If we watch television, if we read books, any of these things are going to distract us. Articles, entertainment, news, it all is distracting to the Christian and his focus on being clean. Double your efforts on setting your mind on things above. You are under attack. Satan is attacking the church and all who live in it and all who are called the church. Pull out all the stops to be shaped by God's truth. As we are being changed, sanctified, as we are growing in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ, then we are seeking Him and we are thinking about Him and we are being filled with Him. All of that is the aim of verse 1 through 4, that you would be filled with Christ, that you would allow God to direct you away from the temporary things to the eternal things, from the idolatrous lifestyle of America to the holy lifestyle of the kingdom of God, from sin to sanctification, from assuming I'm a blood-bought, Bible-taught child of God to proving that I am one. 
Amen? Don't assume that you are one. Show that you are one. Prove that you are one. Be one by following God's doctrine found and written by Paul in Colossians chapter 3. We have the foundation for motivation and the focus for it. Seek Christ, who is, by the way, at the right hand of God. Think about it. Are you doing that? You've only got a few years left to get that right, to get that determination made. Don't keep going the way you're going if you're not with him and you're not walking with him. Today's the day to change that. Right now in this place, God offers you a moment to let his spirit speak to your heart. Let him change you. Let him move in. Open your heart. Amen? Open your heart. Let's pray. For Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word. Father, we thank you for teaching us from it today that we need to be cleansed. And this cleansing is proof that we are your people. Father, make that evident to all of us. Help us to stand firm on your word. Speak to our heart, Lord Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen.